Warning. Warning. Potatoes and Pasta contain adult language and discussions of sexual content, substance abuse, domestic violence, and suicide. If you or someone you know is struggling, please seek help. We've included resources in the description. Additionally, we are not psychological professionals and we don't claim to be experts of any kind. We are barely experts in our own experiences. These are simply our thoughts and reflections on ourselves and our family with the purpose to entertain and indulge our own nostalgia. Oh, it says to avoid legal snags by letting folks to know that you're recording. Mm -hmm. Interesting, interesting. We are active and live. So I've got a question. Was there someone who took credit for your birth who really only contributed seven seconds of grunts and a teaspoon of goop to the entire process? Was there a person who looked at you as a product of their loins and the quality of their stock? Fathers put you into your mom's. But really, why do men have nipples? Let's give them something to do, at least. Sure. Hello, family. Welcome, you. This is our podcast. Potatoes and Pasta, a discussion about our family. I'm Spud. And I'm Mac. In this podcast, we will explore the experiences, stories, and dynamics of our shared upbringing. And how we've gotten by with heaping helpings of laughter, potatoes, and pasta. A reflection on our starchy family. Episode 1-5, Faja. Our topics today are fathers and daughters, and how that sometimes can be very easy. And then fathers and sons, it's not always smooth. So Mac, I'm here with my hot glass of tea, that's Bigelow Tea. Family tea blends since 1945, and I have the orange and spice uh, blend right here. I've got to let everybody know, though, I have poured into it a small shot of Evan Williams eggnog. Oh, my God. Evan Williams bourbon. The warning here is, folks, don't mix hot water with your eggnog. It immediately curdles at the bottom. Oh, fuck. That is nasty. Yeah, it is. That, that is, that oh, is floating God. chunks. That is scrambled eggs in the bottom of my tea. So uh, we'll just decant it, I guess. I guess. If I get sick tonight, you know why. Fair enough. So, um, Mac, you were, you were and are a daddy's girl. I, I am. My relationship with him has always been easy. Him and I just have, like, a weird understanding of each other. There are things that I just, like, don't have to explain to him. There are parts of him that I just seem to, like, implicitly and instinctually understand and that even, like, mom might be, like, frustrated by. And granted, like, being somebody's partner and being somebody's child are two, like, very different relationships. But, yeah, I've always been a a daddy's girl. Like, we just click for some reason. Yeah, that, like, implicit understanding and that, like, dad I've always seen as, like, and I'm at that place with mom now, earlier than I was with her. I reached a place with him where I was like, if he wasn't my dad, I would hang out with him. Like, like he's somebody that, like, I would have hung out with in high school or college and, like, Mm -hmm. we'd be friends. Like we talked about in the episode with Mom, like, my relationship with them both is really based on, like, conversation, dynamics, vibes, um, and less about, like, what we do together. But one of the things that Dad and I do 
specifically that he like asks for whenever I'm home is like a late night chat, which really started when I was in college. And I lived with them my last year of college. And I would get home late from stuff. And when either of us are staying with our parents, he can't sleep until we're home. Mm -hmm. Like, when I'm, you know, at mine and Mango's apartment in another state, in another city, he's fine. Like, he sleeps fine at night. But, like, if I'm sleeping (laughs) in their house, or you're sleeping in their house that night, he has to wait up for us. And so there were some late nights, like, I was really involved in college in, like, I was in student government and the activities board and things like that. And so he would stay up with me, and then we would just talk for hours about everything and anything. And we haven't had an explosive or kind of, like, dark time period in our relationship. Like, we described uh, each of us having them with mom. Him and I haven't really had one. You guys have had blow-ups, but it's usually done that day. Yeah, like, we've had disagreements, we've had fights, we've had arguments, but there hasn't been, like, a prolonged period of time in which I would say, like, him and I aren't getting along. When I was in college, though, a lot of those late-night conversations were also really tough, because, like, as I was learning about my identity and the world and white supremacy and, like, the oppressive systems at play in this country and in the world, I brought that home to both of them, and him and I had to have some really tough conversations. Like, the one that always sticks out for me is at one point, well, it was around the time that Michael Brown was murdered by the police in Ferguson, Missouri. And Mom and Dad were really trying to understand it. They really were. And it led to some other conversations about white privilege in our, like, day-to-day lives. You know, we've alluded to the fact that, like, we grew up very comfortably. We've got a whole episode coming up about that. Um, and that was in large part because, like, Dad was part of a union, like, was a was an electrician, did good work, worked hard. And at one point, kind of reached a boiling point in the conversation where he was like, are you saying that I didn't work hard? We have what we have because we're white. And I said, yes. Because all the bad shit that's happened to you didn't happen to you because of who you are. It just happened. But yeah, I am saying that you did not have to work as hard to reach the level of success that you have because you are white. We're not minimizing your uh, minimalizing your accomplishments. What we're really? saying is, is you didn't have the same barriers that everybody else did. Exactly. We we didn't have a few late night conversations in a row. Like he really needed some time to sit with that. And he was good friends with a lot of the men of color in his union. And so in our conversations, like, we would talk about that, about, like, do you really think you had it as easy as these other men? Right away he goes, no. I saw what they had to go through. I was like, then why are we having this conversation? Like, you already know this is true. And since then, like, he's done a lot of growing in that respect and, like, a lot of his own reading, and I'm I'm really proud of that. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, like, last Christmas he read... Michael Eric Dyson had a book that came out. It was really more of like a written lecture about white supremacy in the United States. And I remember before Christmas last year, mom called me. She was like, you got to talk to him when you get home. And I was like, what do, you, what do you mean? Like, is he okay? Like, what can he not talk to you about? Like, she's like, well, you know, he read that book. And now he's just like moping around here. <laughs> like, he's fucking depressed because he realized like how much he's contributing to white supremacy and like doesn't know what to do with it. I was like, okay, like, I'll, 
I'll come talk to him, like, you know, because that's part of the work that I did in grad school and, like, continue to do, but, yeah, like, we were able to have those conversations, and they're tough, and we, you know, yell at each other a bit. We're all, we always, like, come back to this place of just, like, ease and being very comfortable with each other. He's a really good conversationalist, mm-hmm. and, but he's a fierce debater. Yeah, he is. Like, he's stubborn in his way of, like, when he believes that something is right, or he believes that he's right about something, it takes a lot for him to let it go or or move on, for sure. And I'm the same way, I just do it differently. Mm -hmm. But, like, whenever I take, there's this uh, strengths assessment that's super popular. But whenever I take it, my most consistent strength is belief mm-hmm. and it's just that you're like you're so strong in your convictions that like if you believe in something it's going to get done and i think that i get that from him some other funny things my one of my like very youngest memories of him was the time i had the chicken pox right after i'd finished preschool and like the summer before i started kindergarten i remember <laughs> i was being at the kitchen table i'm not feeling well eating a little bit turning to him and just projectile vomiting onto him. And him just being like, you're sick. It happens. Like, just, like, completely fine. And me just being like, I'm sorry, Daddy. Like, I'm sorry. I couldn't help but him just being like, don't even worry about it. Like, I'll just go put on a new shirt. The next night, the same fucking thing happened. I threw up on him again. He was just like, it's fine. This is... This is our life. Like, <laughs> but I think that just really, like, sums up a big part of, like, a part of our relationship, at least growing up. For me, it was just, like, I would mess something up or be like, Dad, I'm so sorry. And he would just be like, it's fine. Big girl, like, don't worry about it. <laughs> I'd be like, okay. That became a running theme for you, throwing up on him. It did. It became, like, a thing. Like, a... It, yeah, it happened a couple times. Other things I remember growing up about him, I'm talking about him like he's dead. He's definitely not. I was recording. But he was the one that you, if you were going to the doctor and you were getting a shot, you wanted him to go with you instead of mom. Mom would go to like your annual physical or like any other time that you were sick. But like if it was a shot, I wanted dad. Oh, dad never went with me for those. He never went with mm-hmm. you? Oh, I didn't know that. Not that I remember. Fair enough. But yeah, like he would take four of us to take me to get a shot because he just handled it so well i think part i think the reality of it was he handled it so much better than mom did oh, mom, she hates needles she hates needles she passed out at his consultation about getting his wisdom teeth out like she does not handle like actual medical procedures that aren't for her mm-hmm. well so he would like take me to get shots he would do the whole like you're a big brave dog thing like you're not a scaredy cat mm-hmm. he's a dog person it's not that he hates cats, it's that he never wants to own one. Let's see a cat do that. Yeah, he says that all the time. Like, you read a story about, I don't know, like... He's literally amazed by everything dogs do. Literally! Like, he thinks, he, from his point of view, they are the ideal companion. animal companion. Yeah. Why would you get anything else? You can't train cats. They shit in the house. Not that dogs don't also do that, but you can train them not to, I guess. But yeah, like, he instilled in me, like, he's a source of comfort for me. Mm-hmm. More so than mom is, for some reason, though. He's so easy to talk to. Yeah. 
I just remember growing up, though, mom was more disciplinarian about all the daily, the day-to-day little things. Yeah. All dad really cared about is um, as long as you got good grades, okay by him. Yeah. And you contributed to the chores, then you were fine. Yeah. Generally speaking, the chores. Right. He's um, Whereas mom follows through to make sure all the little things about those chores are done. Right. I remember very much for a while thinking like, and this is just being annoyed as a kid, you know, mom is harping on me for every little thing. Uh, dad never gives me this kind of grief. Mm-hmm. But the second you fuck up at school. Oh my God. Dad's the one who's drawing and quartering you on the kitchen table. It's true. So, but he's so easy to talk to. And now that like more of the adult relationship happens, it's I, I do find it easier to talk to him about the hard stuff. Than when you did as a kid or compared mm-hmm. to mom? Both. As compared to as a kid. Because like, when I got bad grades, I went to mom. She'd, smooth, she'd settle him down before the conversation mm-hmm. happened. Now, he's done some growing up, too. Mm-hmm. And with that type of pressure is not on you. But if I go to dad about... I can go to dad about some tough things that I know would just upset mom. I receive that. I think I call them for different things. Mm-hmm. Similar to how you're describing, like, if I need to talk through the emotions of something, generally I call mom. Mm-hmm. If I need help making a more practical decision, I call dad. I have fucked that up before, though. Mm-hmm. Um Mango and I had to take a brief break from our relationship in grad school. He had called and asked me to take him back. And I was trying to take my time to, like, think about it and think it through. And I had called Mom and Dad. We joke about this, that, like, if they're trying to get a hold of us and we don't pick up on the first time, it's a we begin the DEFCON stages mm-hmm. of emergency, state of emergency. But if we can't get a hold of them after calling three times and we go, where the fuck were you? They're like, we have lives, you know. And it's like, bitch, so do I. Like, <laughs> it's a double standard there. So they, I, you can't tell me on my birthday that I'm the center of your world, right. Geraldine, <laughs> and then not be there when yeah. I need you. Right. I had called them after getting off the phone with Mango, and they didn't fucking answer. So I had just like gone through my day or whatever, and then I'm ten minutes before a class is starting, and Dad calls back, and I was like, fuck it, I don't have a lot of time. Like, I just need to talk to them about something. He asked me to take him back. Like, I'm really trying to think through this. And he was like, well, what do you want? What do you want? Like, what does your gut say? Like, what do you want? I was like, ah! Like, I guess I'll just take him. Like, I'll take him back. And he was like, okay, great. Call me later. And I was like, what What the fuck? Like, if I had, if mom had been the one to call back, I would have been like, well, these are some things to think Let's unpack about. the feelings. Let's break this down. Yeah, Let's talk about like, it. how are you really feeling? Like, have you taken to, like, have you talked to this part? Whereas dad was like, what does your gut say? go like run and I was like fuck like obviously that all worked out in the end and it was I did did make a good choice but I just remember reflecting on that moment being like god I should have waited to talk to mom like it would have just been so much less stressful I remember like right before graduated college I was really panicking about my future I don't have a job to go back to. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. Blah, blah, blah. And I called and talked to mom. And she goes, you know this person. And she really just like relisted my network that I had built already. Yeah. And you're going to be fine. And that really helped me feel better. Mm-hmm. Like really feel better. But whereas like I was going through a professional challenge with a coworker I had where this person was out to get me removed from my job. Mm-hmm. I talked to mom about it and she wanted to process just, you know, oh, well, you know, buck up. You'll be fine. They're, they really, you know, it takes a lot to fire somebody. You'll be okay. And I wasn't looking for a pick me up. I needed action items. 
And so I talked to dad about it, and he goes, listen, if the chips ever get down and you're against the wall and you're about to get canned, you walk. He started giving me, like, tools to use, and I used them, and they worked. And he said, if this person's as as toxic and destructive as you think they are, get out of their way. Yeah. Their nonsense will come to light, and your your shared supervisor will realize that you weren't in the wrong. Yeah. He's very, yeah, like, Mm action-oriented. He's also a... (laughs) When he remembers to be, he's also an excellent listener. Oh, of course. Yeah. It's so funny, because, like, recently... I, like, did another, like, mental health inventory for a doctor and had to list our family's, like, medical and mental health history. She was like, what about your dad? Like, does he struggle with any of, like, the same things that you struggle with or you've described your brother or your mom struggling with? I was just like, nope. Bless him. He's never been depressed in his whole fucking life. And... I don't think that's true. Well, no. I don't... But, like... Clinical mm-hmm. wise, he has not had like, to my knowledge, and I have asked, Me had too. like a prolonged, can't claw your way out of it without help depression. Not that that to say that he hasn't been through some really tough shit, but there's also something like, to me, there's something really nice about that in the sense that like, like I described in the episode with mom, like I was able to call her to be like. You know, I'm thinking about an antidepressant. Like, talk me through your experience. Like, like I have someone close that I can trust to talk to about those things. And at the same time, like, I also have somebody I'm close to that I can trust that... It's not that he's ignorant about this stuff, but, like, he just kind of gives me this, like, weird... He's like a weird beacon of hope that, like, things can be normal and things can be fine and that, like, I can bounce back from stuff. When I was struggling with depression for that year and a half, mm-hmm. um, for me, my depression hits external factors. Mm-hmm. Times it can just be internal for no reason. But what I would do is I'd sit down and I'd take stock. Inventory the good things in your life, things you have control over, and you feel better. I think I get that positive outlook mm-hmm. from him. I'm not saying I'm you know, peachy keen jelly bean, live in the perfect cis white straight male utopia that he does, but he... Yeah, he just always seems happy, genuinely in a good mood. Yeah. And, and I think consi- steady. Mm-hmm. Consist- he is a pillar of consistency. Yes. Except when the dumbest little thing sets him off. Yeah, like he's still, like we talked about with him, like he's still a person. Like mm-hmm. he still has, he's very quick to anger. The running joke in the family is that his nickname is Yosemite Sam. Over the dumbest little thing, he'll just pop the fuck off. But, you know, his mother, you know, commits larceny against his family and his household and steals things from him. He's cool as a cucumber. Yeah, he's a picture of grace. I come out and upset the family for years to come, cool as a cucumber. But the bag boy at the grocery store accidentally squashed him bread, and he's having an epic meltdown in the kitchen. Yeah. Literally throwing the bread around. Yeah. (laughs) Over an item that costs $1.95. Truly. It's, and it's still it's, completely usable. It's the penny cost that he hates. Yeah. Again, your kid totals your car, just sign the check and get a new one. We'll go get you a new one. No big deal, He's son. He's just happy that you're safe. This is going to cost him thousands of dollars, yeah. and it's no big deal. Yeah. They put yeah. the carton of they, eggs underneath the bread. They charge you 25 cents for a cup of ranch at McDonald's, and it's the upset of the century. Yeah, I mean, this is the man who didn't have... You're going to nickel and dime me? Yeah, 
this is the man who didn't have the patience to order a Subway sandwich to the dr- through the drive-thru until I spent, we would go every week, we would go once a week, I would go with him and I would literally hold his hand in the car and I taught him how to order through the drive-thru at Subway because he just wanted to go up to the window and rattle off his order and then would get so frustrated when the service worker would have to double back and say, like, well, do you want cheese with that? And he'd be like, I already told you that I want cheese on Like, it's just these He has petty... no patience for service workers. He's gotten so much he better. Has. I think my time in the restaurant helped, Yeah, too. for sure. At least to wait staff, but he's... His frustration for fast food workers is the last bastion. Part of it, too, was you had worked in a restaurant, and then I worked that front desk job in college. And I was like, you don't understand. Like, we're given a script, like, of certain questions that they have to ask in a certain order. Like, you need to let them... Do their job. Right. And he's been fine ever since. But he still gets that little bit of, like, boomer entitlement about stuff. Like, I've only ever heard a story where he asked for a manager, like, maybe once... That was pretty recent. And Yeah, that was fairly recent. But, I mean, the man has thrown food at human beings. He has. And when it comes up, he's also now intensely embarrassed, which yeah. I think shows a lot of growth. But at the time, it was absolutely fucking wild. Poor slob got his order wrong and forgot to put chicken on his chicken sandwich. He drove back to the establishment. Yeah. Ask the most condescending question possible. What's wrong with his chicken sandwich? Infant working behind the counter, said, I don't know. Sir. Because the pressure of this angry man (laughs) melted their brain, and he said there's no fucking chicken on it, threw it into the kitchen of this fast food restaurant, and then left. (gasps) I mean, I guess we got our money's worth for the $2.95 chicken sandwich from Hardee's, because we've gotten so much story out of it, but, you know, that poor fuck, wherever he is. Yeah. Who knows? Sorry. I'm not. I didn't do it. I know. No, he is super apologetic about it. And the other thing, too, that's, like, part of our dynamic is that I have a compulsion to defer to him that doesn't always serve me. There's, like, yeah, like, it's a patriarchal thing. It's a he's my dad thing. Like, there have been times when it's just been to my detriment. One of the last times I went up for the full week to Traverse City... I was really struggling with my mental health, and things really escalated on, like, the third or fourth day. That vacation just doesn't work for me, and I had implied that, and he was infuriated Mm -hmm. by that. He saw me as being ungrateful. It's not that I'm ungrateful for those trips or... The work that they put into making those trips happen, it's that that's not a vacation for me. And it frankly makes me hate them. Like, I just can't be around them in that tiny-ass cabin where I don't have a space of my own at all. And, yeah, and then, like, he blew up on me. He went outside. Mom screamed at me some more. I locked myself in the bathroom for a while wanted to die because he's also the person that like (laughs) how are you supposed to apologize to the person who taught you not to apologize for things you didn't do 
And I was like, I haven't done anything wrong. You're just not listening to me and you're not understanding me. I was like 18. So like that you were was my 18, perspective. And just like everybody else in our family, you're a real mouthy fuck. Right. So the distinct portion I remember about that moment was, you know, we had to start at breakfast and you were sleeping in that common area, which is rough. You just started berating us for being noisy. It was like 11 in the morning and we were just eventually, we were like, okay, we're going to have breakfast. We're not going to wait anymore. And so you just started berating us and really making fun of us for how loud we were. And that's what I remember about that moment is you guys were just, you were just unapologetically mean. Fair. So that's why he snapped. Fair. Yeah, I mean, my expiration date up there is much shorter than everybody else. It's just like a vicious cycle for me. And this Mm -hmm. no way, like, excuses my mean nature and behavior. Yeah, like, I always end up sleeping in the common space because I'm the youngest, which I hate. So I'm not saying it wasn't a pressure cooker moment, because it was. Right, right. And, like, I don't get any alone time up there. You're a night owl. I am, I do tend to be more of a night owl, but, like, I don't get any alone time, so when I do get it, it's late at night. But you're also a sleeper. Yeah, I am. So when you finally do go to sleep at 3 in the morning, you're going to sleep until... 10. Or later. Yeah. I had just reached this point of being, like, I think what it was, was that... The 18-year attitude, I'm going to say it and not be sorry. That's part of it, but I was also, like, I'm here because you want me to be here. I don't really want to be here, but I did it because mom and dad wanted me to be here. How dare you? It's Traverse City. Uh, yeah. Like David, was, you should be grateful. Yeah, it's like heresy to not want to go on that trip. Well, and not I'm going to bring up like, something from 15 years before when you were like negative two that you said. Remember when we, we were going to our aunts so much for all our vacations? Yeah. You're like, hey, can we start going back to Traverse City? Yeah, I know. You're changing your script 10 years later? How dare you? For the audience, I am being sarcastic. Yeah, just getting punished for shit I said 10 years ago. And, yeah, so I was like, I'm here because you want me to be here. And, like, you're doing things that are making me miserable. But also, like, I'm not allowed to say that. Like, you're right. Like, it was just like a pressure cooker situation. You had learned the communication skills to healthily bring that about. No, but also, like, it's one—it's another one of those things that, like, I sit around and when I think about it, it's like, why the fuck were we doing it that way? We all know each other and we all know what we need. So why don't mom and dad sleep out in the common area? That bed is just as uncomfortable as the bed that they're sleeping on. They get up in the middle of the night and go to the bathroom. That was the other thing. They were waking me up all hours of the night because they're over 50 and 60 and they're going to the fucking bathroom all the time. So it went... no, Knowing, so, but then making that connection consciously sometimes can be I know. Is the hard part. I know. So I was like, why don't Bud and his partner and me and my friend that I bring go into the bedrooms because we stay up late and we, was we sleep in. There? Yeah, they were for a little while. For that Not one? for that no. one. But they, they either started coming after that because mom and dad thought the solution was to add another person to the mix to mellow me out. Which they weren't, like, entirely wrong. It did definitely make it more bearable, but it was still fucking miserable. We have a whole episode on vacations that we should just save this snippet for. Sure. The reason we talked about it because <laughs> it's a blow up with dad. Yeah, like, we do have these pressure cooker moments where he... From my perspective, it's like he's not listening to me, he's not understanding what I'm saying, and he's jumping to conclusions, which is not to say that I don't do the exact same thing. Same. Because I know that I do. 
Remember that moment up at his sister's house, and we had the bandit up there, and the... Oh, my God. They came out of nowhere, because we had told our aunt that we were going to go boating, and that we were going to jump a couple ponds and be three bodies of water over with the paddle boat, and then they show up the fuck out of nowhere in my car. Him and Han, both guns blazing. Where the fuck have you kids been? We've been looking for you for hours. What's going on? We're responsible for somebody else's child right now. How could you be so irresponsible? Where's the inhaler? Where's Bandit's inhaler? Bandit hasn't had an asthma attack in three years, Dad. Like, also, they didn't bring it. Right? Like, they don't, just because they're asthmatic as fuck doesn't mean they I'm still scared it. to tell them that. Don't. Don't <laughs> ever, bro. Like, he'll lose it all, all over again. But yeah, it just like popped the fuck off on us. And it was just like, your sister forgot to tell you where we were. Ask your sister what the fuck are we doing? You here? didn't consult the other adult in the house? Right. You know her, she's off doing it. No. There's no excuse, really. But yeah, so he is a. That's why you always leave a note. It's true. He loves very deeply. And mm-hmm. he cares very much. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't always come out in a way that reflects that. <laughs> and I still just love him endlessly. What about what about you and him? Well, or how about the fact that we got one more thing on you? Yeah. Um, you're not allowed to curse in front of him. I'm not. I have a limit. Mm-hmm. I can only curse so many times before he goes, "Hey, now." Mm-hmm. Enough. And it's it's really nothing but sexism. So, you know, in, in those moments, suddenly mom is June Cleaver and is clutching her pearls. Right when like. And he has to protect him, women folk. Like, it comes from this misguided attempt to protect mom's perceived purity. So, like, when it's just you and him, I know that the both of you cuss more than you do in front of everybody else. Mm -hmm. When it's just him and I, my limit goes up, Mm -hmm. but it's still present. Or I'll get one of those, cheese Mac. And I'm like, really? That's what pushed you over the edge? That's the one extra shit in that sentence is what pushed you over the edge to me somehow offending your delicate sensibilities of your perception of who I am. And then... Or how he raised you. I raised you better. Did you, though? Like, better than using... I do call him out, though, from time to time. The first time he used the word fuck, I looked at him and I said, I don't ever want to hear that come out of your mouth ever again. No, not after... We used to get... Because it was the hypocrisy. Oh, but we used to get lambasted for using the word frickin' or friggin' because he knew what that word really meant. It was a substitute for that sinful way. Right, as if we don't use shoot and heck and dang all the time. Like, what the fuck is the... There isn't a difference. He's just delicate. He's just sensitive. Yet he has no problem when our mother... Reads an airline to filth, and then he pulls me aside later. I've never heard your mother talk that way. Bullshit. I have I'd believe... love to plan a recording device. Oh, my God. But it'd be so boring. I know. <laughs> I half believe them when they say that they don't talk like that when it's just the two of them. Mm-hmm. But Mango and I, and I'm sure the little professor and you, and then even when the four of us are together, don't have that kind of filter. Like, we don't watch our language for vulgarity and i mm-hmm. really doubt that they do as much as they say they do but they're just they pull this whole like we're from a different era 
we weren't raised like that. Yeah, like it's just this, yeah, like it's a boomer circle jerk at that point. And and the other thing, to, like I will say that he has said fuck in front of me twice, and I have never felt more like I had ascended. That I had reached. You're at the adult table. Yeah, like I was at the grown-ups table, and that he saw me as as like a fully functioning, fully formed adult that I am. One of them was when I mentioned that Mango and I had split at one point, and he said something about Mango's parents of like if they don't, like if they can't see how fucking great you are. And then the other one was about mom's sister. Something they'd done something, and he's fucking people. Oh, sorry, and I was like, doesn't bother me. This any. fucking guy. <laughs> this fucking guy. But, but yeah, like he's. But yeah, and then there's this whole other layer of like when mom's around, he is. He somehow like dons knight's armor, and no one is allowed to be like vulgar or crude or. It's not even that. It's they're not allowed to cuss. They're not allowed to say fuck in front of her. Cause Mango has said it a couple times, and last time. He said it in a group setting in front of her dad. Said something about, like, that's your future mother-in-law over there and you need to watch it. And Mango just kind of looked at me and I looked at dad and I was like, she's fine. Here's the other thing, is it feels like he's hiding behind that. Like, he doesn't want to admit that it upsets him, so he uses mom as a scapegoat. And I would rather he just say, Mac or Mango... I would really prefer if you tried not to say that in front of me. It makes me uncomfortable when my children and younger generations, as mm-hmm. irrational as this line of thought is, yeah. use profanity. I would. I me, view it as classless actions, even though I do it myself. Yes, I would prefer that. I would frankly mm-hmm. respect it more than this bullshit of like protecting mom from hearing that word as if she wasn't the first person I ever heard cuss in my life. You know, this has been a common theme that little professor and I talk about a lot a lot, is we would be 100% peachy keen jelly bean Mm -hmm. with a lot of people's choices in their lives Mm -hmm. and their actions Mm -hmm. or how they do things if they didn't have this hypocritical, not sure that's the form of the word. Hypocritic? Hypocritical. I like hypocritical better. I'm going to start using that. Okay. I'll Coin it. Trademark now. This hypocritical rhetoric. Yeah. I have to defend the honor of my wife. Own it. Yeah. And that's the thing. Just own it. Well, we're a Ford house. Then, first of all, why why does that matter? I, I can't. Has he said that? No, not him. Like, oh. I was thinking more like an uncle. Uncle Lasagna. Uh, yeah, Uncle yeah. Lasagna. We're a Ford house, but you've got a Dodge in your... We're, we're a GM house, because you work for GM, and yet you've got a foreign car in your driveway. I don't know, man. Have it. Own that. Yeah. But don't say this stupid bullshit. Yeah. And I will say that's one of the very few things that, like, Dad is that way about, where he doesn't flat out say, like, I wish you wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. He uses something else to try and convey that. Yeah, he he gets goofy about that stuff. He is a very goofy person, though. He's a goober, man. He's so silly. Yeah, he is. He he loves a good pun. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. He loves a good, not, like, sexually crude joke, but a good, like, poop joke. Good dirty joke. Whereas mom, that's where mom starts taking on this, you yeah, know, I'm a pure being, yeah. I'm a pure being, don't do this. But then she'll sneak every once in a while in with the best crude. She made a gay joke at me one time and I could not have been more thrilled. I don't remember the context or the punchline, <laughs> but it, it, it was just something like, um, I don't know, some sort of phallic joke was made. And I said, you know, blah, blah, blah. I pretended to be all 
defensive or, or mm-hmm. clutch my pearls and she turned and looked at me and said something in the vein of don't pretend you don't love it mm. right so delicious savory my relationship with dad um i realized much later and it, uh, we talked about it in the mom episode about coming out was completely in my own head mm. the actual relationship was there was nothing the per- my perception was completely misguided by straight heteronormative toxic masculinity and patriarchy mm. my relationship with my father only got better I thought there was tension and things there that weren't even existent. I'm not particularly masculine. I don't particularly always enjoy masculine things. Uh, Dad would from time to time say things, but he knew I was just goading him to get a rise out of it. Like we're sitting at Comerica Park, Detroit Tigers baseball game, and I intentionally say things wrong Mm -hmm. just to tease sports fans. I'll I'll look out on the baseball diamond. I'll know exactly what's happening and and who's on where and doing what. And I'll say, you know, they ran a a good pass out there on that old gridiron, didn't they, with their (laughs) hockey stick. And, and he will have a genuine moment where his his whole soul just stops beating yes. for a moment. And he says something like, I failed you, my son. I said, no, you didn't, Dad. Right. You're fine. I, I know exactly what's happening. And so, like, when those moments where, you know, we never talked about girls, though. We really never did. Yeah. And so I feel like once we had that come to Jesus moment and I came out, all that perception just, it was such a lift of weight for me, too. Because we did martial arts. The three of us, you, myself, and Dad, did martial arts. I did that more for him than for anything I enjoyed. (laughs) Because uh, he had so much fun with it. It was something we could all do together. And it was just, you know, the kids and dads thing. Yeah. Until he got really overconfident and tried to show off and do a flying split kick. And then ended up um, 12 weeks off work recovering from ACL surgery. Yeah. But him and I always did all the yard work together. And that was something I always enjoyed. I still enjoy um, we did Little League for a year. He was a base coach. I, as much as I hated it, I do look back fondly on because he was so jazzed about it. Yeah, was. I remember I was round in third base because he was the third base coach, and he'd tell you whether to go in or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to be able to take it home. And I remember running towards him, and he just was thriving. Yeah. The man was virtually levitating. Jazzed. I'm. Sh- I'm really glad he was wearing jeans that day. I'm pretty sure he had a proud boner, and you know he's just like pointing his arm over and over and over again. Take it home. Take it home. Take. Just one of those like classic dad, American dad moments. Yeah. And he. I just remember just making that round. I'm like, that's this. This is a cool little moment. I didn't like it. I wasn't good at it. Uh, I couldn't catch a ball to save my life. We'd practice for hours and it felt like hours. I'm sure it was really only 15 minutes. But we never like threw, you know, let's go out and throw the ball around. I hated that. I'd just rather play video games. We'd practice the martial arts forms in the basement. That was fine. I, I think martial arts, because I like action movies, mm-hmm. was the closest thing to a physical activity enjoyment. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say hate it. I keep saying I hated it. I just, it wasn't my jam. We never watched sports together. I still won't. He's got his bro, aka our mom, for that. Yeah. They love watching, they sports, love watching together. sports together. Yeah. Don't I don't need it. You guys got that. That's your thing. I don't need it on it. It's fine. I'm perfectly good. But he would have me help him fix everything. Yes. The little professor brought uh, that to my attention. We were trying to fix something here. I said, I, I need your help on this. And so he's actually tried to help. He goes, stop. Do you actually need me to help 
Or do you need me to just sit and watch you do this? Like you do with your father. Oh, well. Like, oh, yeah. When I'm helping dad, he does most of the work. I'm usually just holding a flashlight <laughs> or passing him things. But yeah. for him, he gets the satisfaction of doing this task, showing off a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he got to spend some time with me and potentially teach me something I'm going to immediately forget. What's funny about that? that you bring that up is that when you left for college he would ask me to help him and this was more like it wasn't kind of the small scenario where you're describing it was like just hold a flashlight pass me this tool it wasn't that it was like help me lift this thing and carry it up or down the stairs i mean there was no was that yeah for sure but he would just start going and he wouldn't communicate with me, and then he'd yell at me because I was, and I quote, doing it wrong. And I was like, you haven't told me what to do. Like, you've asked for my help, you've given me no instructions, and now we're halfway up the steps. I'm pinned under a couch. Like, of course, Mom's hooting and hollering in the background. Voltar, you can't do this to her. You have to tell her what you need. She's not Spudge. You know, just in the, and it's true. Like, I'm not you. And so, like, when we do things together, I always have, like, he'll go to dive in, and I'll have to, like, grab his arm, and I'll look him in the face and be like, tell me what you need and what you're planning before you do it so that I can actually help you. Yeah, because him and I had an unspoken... You just built it up together. Yeah, they're just like, this is how he likes things done. And then, he, you know, and then it was my turn, and I wasn't doing it the way he wanted me to, and it was... Like, what? Why don't we have this instinctual rapport yeah, as we like, move up a piece of furniture? Basically, you didn't you didn't do that with me, and then now that we're here and I can actually, you know, understand instructions, you're not giving them to me. Yeah. So once he remembers that he needs to tell me what to do, we're fine. Mm-hmm. But there's always that, like, extra step. Funny. Our family's always been big in cards because Dad's a card shark. Yeah, he is. And does some pretty cool card tricks. Mm-hmm. My favorite's the one where, you know, guess a card, any card, and cut the deck, and shuffle, mm-hmm. shuffle, shuffle, and then he'll sift through it, fan it out, you know, he'll find the card, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, is a pretty common one, but then he'll take this deck of cards, and if the table surface is just right, he'll throw this thing so the, uh, the whole deck fans out, completely out on the table, and then your one card kicks out face up, yep. while the entire rest of the deck is face down. That one's the tits. Yeah, it is. You know, of course, it doesn't always work out every time, mm-hmm. but it's it's about a 75% success rate on that one. Mm-hmm. But So he's also like phenomenal card player, exceptionally skilled. Yeah, he can count cards, at least for Euchre, for sure. For sure, and for poker. It's just a pastime that he grew up with, and so he's literally been... Well, that was what all of them and their friends would get together and do. Yeah, well, it's also what his parents Yeah, did so they always have a game friends. of... Pe- they'd have a game of Pinochle going, a game of Hearts. Mm. I don't think they ever played Bridge. I don't think so either. Poker, Euchre, Pinochle were the the, the big three. Mm-hmm. And we, before COVID, we had a 10 months out of the year, we have a poker night with mm-hmm. um, family friends. Mm-hmm. Um, up to 14 folks get together, chip a dollar in, chip leader at 10 o'clock gets the pot. And we've refined that a bit over the years, again, better boundaries, kind of like our mm-hmm. holidays. It used to be 11 o'clock. Mm. It used to be chip leader goes home, and we'd be at, be out until midnight. Yeah. Then we're like, at 11 o'clock, that's too late now. Your folks are all retired. You need your nappy naps. Mm-hmm. 
So let's say 10 o'clock. We actually start an hour earlier now. The only time I remember like actively arguing constantly like, back and forth with Dad is because he didn't, he was not explaining a card game to me well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was up at his sister's house. He was going to teach us, teach me euchre. You've been playing it uh, in high school for years. I started playing in middle school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I just couldn't. It took me a long time to wrap my head around that game. Mm-hmm. And we play it a lot now, but I. No. I wasn't receiving the information. Which is so strange because, like, normally I think of him as an excellent teacher. Mm-hmm. Like, in a lot of contexts, he is an excellent teacher. And to the point where I think, like, if he hadn't become an electrician and he had been encouraged more in his education, mm-hmm. that he would have been a very successful well, teacher. He would be given, he was the journeyman to all the apprentices. That came through, so yeah, he would he had, get that jazz. Yeah, so he had a, a large number of apprentices. He was also chairman of the apprenticeship board mm-hmm. at one point. Um, so he oversaw the selection process mm-hmm. for the incoming classes into the union. Yeah, he's an excellent teacher when it comes to things that, like, he... For him, it was so instinctual at that point. Yes, so for things that, like, he has absorbed just absorbed into his brain so thoroughly like he struggles i will (laughs) i will say though that like you i have noticed there are times when you and i both do that in a similar fashion like with mango like i'll try to explain something to him and it's just like not landing and i can feel i'm like oh fuck i'm being my dad right Mm -hmm. now (laughs) but when i came here (laughs) happened recently where you were showing me that video game and you were like, just go over there and do the thing. And I was literally like, Spud, what fucking button do I press to do the thing you're mm-hmm. asking me to do? <laughs> it was a little bit of that moment. I'm like, oh, it's like when dad just yeah. like knows what he's talking about and doesn't have the patience to explain it in that moment. And for me, like with a card game, though, it's best to just run me through the basics because I'm going to forget everything. Yeah. And I just got to start playing the game. Yeah. I learn best by playing it. So does he. Yeah. We open up a new board game, and we he reads aloud the directions. I'm not retaining anything. I'm not. So let's just get through it. Let's just get started. And I'll learn. I'll pick up strategy from that later. But he helped me stand up for myself at that job. Yeah. I mean, I got bullied a little bit in high school. I don't think I talked to him about it, but I definitely reflected on life lessons that he had shared. And we we dove pretty heavily when I came out to uh, our parents. I could tell there was times where Dad was uncomfortable with it, but before that moment, before he asked, it was like two or three weeks, we'd gone up to um, our aunt's house, his sister's. And on the drive back, the conversation had gone in like the right direction, and he was ready to receive it. Mm-hmm. I could have told him in that moment, but I watched a few YouTube videos about the coming out process for a lot of folks, and one advised never have that conversation in a moving vehicle. Mm-hmm. So we're going 95 miles an hour down the highway, and like the moment was there. And he would have been okay. Yeah. And once we had had the conversation, he he knew I was ready to tell him then, too. I just wasn't going to do that in a car, and it was a bad reaction. I could tell there was things like made him uncomfortable. Like, for years, we went up north to that vacation place, and he didn't allow me and the little professor to sleep in the same room, same Ash bed. I, even though you were living together? Yeah. I mean, there was a bit of, I don't want to say shame, but this was our business, and you didn't need to take it outside the family. They didn't want to have those conversations without, because they didn't have the tools yet. I think it still took the, and I think they still struggle with what the coming out process is, especially when it came to like the in-laws. I shouldn't say the in-laws, but like 
Extended yeah. family. Yeah, the aunt who little aunt professor argued with. Yeah. Yeah, aunt of her own universe. Well, you just need to call her and tell her. Excuse me, no, I don't. Mm-mm. Absolutely not. If she calls me and wants to have a conversation, I'll be willing to have it. I do not have to go out and have that conversation. You don't owe them anything. No. Yeah. If they're ready to hear it, then we'll have a conversation. Yeah. But they have to initiate it. Yeah. Much like I did with them. If you're if you ask, you're ready to hear it. And that's kind of the way I've I've always operated when it comes to coming out. But Dad was cool as a cucumber through the whole thing. I had less beef with him, I think, through the whole thing than I did with Mom. Yeah, and I shared with you that I had a moment with him, I think, not long after you came out. Mm-hmm. You had, like, moved out and mm-hmm. moved in with the little professor. And Mom was struggling, like it wasn't a secret. Mm-hmm. And... It was just him and I, like, back in their bedroom for some reason, and, like, are you okay? Like, how are you doing? And he was, I'm fine, you know, your brother's your brother. I'm always going to love him. Mm-hmm. He was like, you know, I just just don't like thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Meaning, like, you being mm-hmm. a man. And I said, well, do you think about me and my boyfriend? Oh, God, no! And I was like, well, then, why are you thinking about his partners? He's like, well, I'm... I'm not. And I was like, okay, they're the same thing. So, mm-hmm. and he was like, no, you're right, they're the same thing. And then he was fine. Yeah. I mean, he, he was never violent with us. So I never thought he was going to hate me or they were going to kick me out or anything. And maybe that's why I preloaded the, well, I'm moving out in two weeks anyway situation. I just didn't know. They're practicing Catholics. They're, practice, they're practicing Catholics. I do remember it was like 10, 15 years before, and Prop 8 was happening, and they were going to ban, they were going to lock it so gay marriage could never happen. And he had like gone to a special meeting at the church one night on like in the weekday to see what the church felt about this and get told how to vote. And he came back, and I remember him discussing that with mom, and this is what we stand for. And so that moment kind of like stuck with me. I'm like, I don't, you know, granted, 10 years later, I don't know how, where they are with this anymore. And I remember him asking that, like, you know, why never, why didn't you ever bring this up or talk about it? At least trying to feel where we sensed it. I said, I didn't want to give any clues. I wasn't ready to have that conversation. And we, it had never come up. And it's not like there was, and that's why representation in, in, in like media rep matters is so those conversations can get started. They see a gay couple on screen and your parents start having visceral reactions and start using foul language, then, yeah, you might have an issue if you're gay. Yeah. We never sat and watched something or we never come across another gay person who was like, if we did, like, the kid was super feminine. I remember there was, there was a bagger at one of the local grocery store chains and he was super feminine. Like, he was su- acting super gay. And I just projected to distract. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I can't stand that. And yeah. I was kind of mean. And not to him, but just about him yeah. afterwards. And it was definitely like, act this way so that they don't get an idea. But like I said, all that pressure and all that like dad-son conflict that I thought was there, mm-hmm. once we had that conversation and aired that out, I didn't stress another conversation with him again. Because like every time mom and dad, like for years, was like, you know, we need to talk about something. You're, you know, my stomach would just fall out my ass. Yeah. That feeling would happen a few times afterwards. Mm-hmm. And then I remind myself, there's nothing left to, there's no more big conversations I need to have. You <laughs> this is all going to be routine stuff. Yeah. yeah he, he was pretty cool about it. And I'm really grateful for that. And I do remember the time he's like, yeah, you know, we're just, 
it's too exhausting for you guys to sleep in separate rooms for like me and the professor. And so it was just like, you know, you guys can it's whatever. You guys are fine. I don't know. I haven't told you this. I'd spent weeks arguing with them about no. it. I fought with them. About... I remember being in the line at the credit union drive through situation, mm-hmm. going back and forth with mom. Well, you're going to have to talk to your dad. This isn't about dad, mom. Like, this is about both of you. Mm-hmm. Well, then why are you just talking to me? And I was like, you just don't want to make a decision. I was like, what's the point in doing this? Well, also, they live a, together. If there's the two of them together, you know, she wanted to deflect the conversation so that they, she had her back up. Oh, yeah. No, and then I, w- I finally courted him, and I was like, why do you make Spud and the little professor sleep separately up north? Well, they're not married. Well, and I was like, at that time, I was like, they can't get married, and they live together. What is the holdup? Well, I was like, do you really think, do you really think that they would do anything to disrespect you? Do you really think that? And he was like, no. And I was like, so what's your holdup? Mm. Okay, we'll talk to him. Okay, see you guys later. Like, yeah. No, you <laughs> just were... stupid shit like that. I was like, I don't have time. For... And it was, and that he's not wrong. It's just funny to hear that after like all of the like huffing and guffing about it that it was like it's just exhausting and like just like he was very like nonchalant about it but mm-hmm. but yeah no it was it was fucking exhausting because we'd have to blow up this air mattress for the little professor to sleep on if it you know the scandalous part was that him and i would end up sleeping in the same room together you want to talk about what was not considered a problem <laughs> The things people choose to care about. Right, but like because they wouldn't allow him to share a bed with you, he ended up on an air mattress with me and my best friend, who at the time identified as a girl. Mm-hmm. A person who's not in the family share a room with the two young women. Like what? <laughs> I'm scared. You know, and, and those beds up there are so small now. I mean, it was a good thing because they're so tiny. It's a yeah. terrible night's sleep. <laughs> No, and I've told you that before that I appreciate all the oh, I know. a lot of the stuff you did yes. to help them and got us through that. Yeah, I mean it wasn't an easy time after that either. Mm-mm. But he, I, I just don't think he confronted mom all the time because he had to live with her. Which is fair. <laughs> yeah, he's just so goofy. He is. He's a fucking goober. I love him to death. The man is, is an extrovert. Hmm. I mean he he's perfectly fine alone. And he does enjoy his alone time. He does. But he, whenever you go to the store, whenever you go out, there's somebody he knows. Mm-hmm. And they're going to sit there and talk for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And your entire, your quick run to the hardware store, your your quick trip to the grocery store will get hijacked. Yeah. You will be stuck standing there just grinning. Mm-hmm. He's a, also like a being of pure competence. Yeah, he is. He, there's not a lot... Even when, even when he's uncomfortable, even when he might, you know, on the outside be appearing to not be confident in something, he's still so comfortable with himself mm-hmm. that, like, he's fine. Like, there have been situations where he's said out loud to us, like, oh, I'm just, like, a little bit uncomfortable. I've never done whatever it is that we're doing before. And either he's having so much fun trying something new that it doesn't matter or, like, he just needed to tell somebody, and now he's fine. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the little moment at our mom's dad's funeral. Mm-hmm. Like, this clown walked in. I don't know who let him get dressed that day, but his tie was right down to the middle of his chest. Oh, that's right. <laughs> 
And so I walked over to this human man. <laughs> I said, I, you need to take your tie off. Why? What's wrong? Mom clearly didn't look at you before she let you leave the house. Yeah. And so I just kind of dragged him aside. I know it was like a little moment where I got to be a little feminine. I got to a little fuss over him a little bit. I get to, you know, adjust how he looked. And But he fully just went and just trusted it. and Because everything's always fucking worked out for this guy. Mm-hmm. Despite everything, mm-hmm. things always just fall into place, and and no wonder for them they think there's a god because things just right. fall into fucking place for them. And so I just had to adjust his tie to make it look like he knows how to dress himself. Right, or like he wasn't wearing a children's tie. Right. Right. That's your belly getting in the way. You gotta eat it. You gotta eat this <laughs> right. part of it. Right. And so we, uh, yeah, that was cute. And just adjusting his collar and. Mom's distraught because her, you know, her father had passed, so she just let him walk out of the house looking like a clown. God, I love him so much. I do too. And even at that moment, this fool found somebody, a complete stranger, and somehow got mentioned their crafts. He's an electrician. This other guy who knew uh, our grandpa through so and so, so and so, so and so, around the same age, so uh, is also an electrician. Our dad, slick. As the fonds, hand shoots out, uh, chapters or something yeah. like that. Chapter yeah. five, three, eight, and oh, four, six, two. Right. And you know, shaking hands, and it was like you heard thunder somewhere in the right. distance, just mildly rumble <laughs> in the distance. Yeah. As these two electricians bonded over their craft. Yeah. And he is very handy. He is. Like that's a huge. He's a jack of all trades and a master of some. Yeah, like he, we very rarely called in somebody else to do work on the house mm-hmm. or the yard. It had to be like the whole fucking roof needed replacing. A tree that was... No, it didn't because he needed it. It was like he didn't want to do the job. Yeah, it reached He could have. Yeah. He didn't want it. But like we never called a plumber. We only ever called an HVAC guy after he became friends with the local HVAC people and was like, they need work and we need this. Let's do it. They had their bathroom gutted and remodeled. Yeah. But he wasn't going to do it. Right, right. He'd reached a point. Yeah, he reached a point in his age with his body. He just didn't want to do these jobs and... Yeah, but, like, growing up, like, I mean, he fixed, I remember him fish, fixing the dryer, I remember him fixing a, the dishwasher if it broke, like, he's the water very heater, the mechanical. Furnace, the AC, mm-hmm. and the, every appliance he had to tweak with somehow. Yeah. Uh, he remodeled almost every room in that house, mm-hmm. at least once. Mm-hmm. He's a great painter. Mm-hmm. Not like paintings, but, he, right, you Right, know, but, like, if you, house. yeah, well, like, house and wall painting, mm-hmm. yeah. To the, point, to the point where, like... Installed that surround sound system all on its own. I know. So we live in... Mango and I live in an apartment with a proficient maintenance crew. But, like, I have to do everything I can before I will let him call them. Mm-hmm. Like, I like I will, I will do some stuff to try and fix it. And then I'll call Dad and try to get him to talk me through <laughs> something. And then if it reaches the point where it's not working, then we call the maintenance team. Yeah. I call him over to do little odds and ends things here, but like mm-hmm. some of these bigger jobs, I mean, I, I don't think he could have handled the masonry work we needed done, even in his prime. I don't think it would have been for a lack of knowledge. It just would have been like, this isn't my area. Of... Yeah. Yeah. I also wouldn't have never asked him to get on the roof of our Tudor-style two-story house. Yeah. 
and, sure. and do that. He's also extremely skilled. Yeah, just in like. And and then after you retired, you got skilled at cooking too. Yeah. I mean, you started taking that. guitar lessons and is now mm-hmm. like at an intermediate level. He was always leading, uh, like, trips, everything. Just always taking charge, always taking charge. Mm -hmm. But he's also, like, once his kids got proficient or other people he needed to just, like, submit and trust, terrible follower. Not a great follower. Not a great follower. He struggles not being in charge. In airports. Oh, my God. Get off the terminal. We've already figured it out. He's walking up. We need to figure out where our next spot is. It's gate. It's G16. That's where we're going next. I gotta see it. I'm telling you. (laughs) My question for him always is like, what do you think my motivation is right now? To deceive you. Right. Why do you think my motivation is to deceive you? What what, what do I have to gain from lying to you about this? I'll miss my flight too. Right. Like what in this situation? Like what do I have to gain by lying to you? Nothing. But he just, I think that's his version of, like, his lizard brain taking over. It's like he has to receive the information firsthand or it's not real when he's in, like, stressful situations. Yet he's such a devout Catholic. <laughs> I think that his relationship with the church, his and mom's both, but his in particular, has really changed, frankly, ever since you came out. Mm-hmm. I mean, he talks now about, like, how violent the messages of the church are how violent it was that we essentially sat and worshiped in front of a depiction of a dying crucified man well he's always been critical of certain areas absolutely uh, stories too yeah so this yeah for him it's more about like even from the beginning he had no problem voicing that at least at home yeah he is very vocal and critical of, like, the historical inaccuracies that mm-hmm. the church perpetuates, let alone the violence of their own history and actions, those that being of the church. But, like, I think the reason they go to church now is more about routine and community, mm-hmm. is that it's, like, a grounding space for them every week because they're retired now. There isn't really anywhere else that they can get well, routine. All their friends are there. And, yeah, they, like, all their friends are there and have, like, like I said, it's community mm-hmm. in a way, which doesn't bother me. I do get on them about giving money to the church mm. because they still do their, like, weekly 20 bucks. They're tied. Or they're, yeah, they still tithe, and I'm like, you ain't got to do all that to get what you want out of this. But I think, I, I, yeah, I'm learning to have their more money. grace about that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, especially with all the stuff about beasts being pedophiles and sex offenders and like how can you give your money to this and they were like well it's not our priest and i was like okay but like your money is supporting an institution that if your Mm -hmm. priest did do that they would protect him well they see it as a a direct reinvestment in their their physical building that they would go to that's true and for dad to have sat on chair of the saint joseph commission which was only focused on rebuildings, uh, handling things that the maintenance crew didn't have time to handle. Or the Bigger power, jobs. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he'd host and he would lead those meetings. Mm-hmm. You know, his mother was a terror uh, for us, and she was very toxic, emotionally mm-hmm. speaking. Mm-hmm. And so he had to do a lot of damage control. And, and that really should be the sum of our parents. Well, you know, really just damage control. Yeah. Every situation, every funeral they're ha- helping to handle. 
really good at helping to minimize all those potential damages. Yeah, I mean, they set what I would call, like, life-saving boundaries mm-hmm. between themselves and her and us and her. I mean, both parents come from alcoholic houses, and they both made conscious choices. We're not going to be drinkers, and we're going to set a different example. Yeah, they also came from homes that were toxic in other ways, and Dad talks a lot about not feeling nurtured. Mm -hmm. That, like, his dad, while they did stuff together, like, they would do woodworking together, and, like, his dad was also very handy and, Mm -hmm. like, very, like, maintenance-oriented, and they had a good connection. I don't think that their relationship really became something that was, like, joyful and serving for Dad until he was an adult, because Papa just, like, worked all the time. And Grandma... We're in an institutional house. I mean, yeah. I mean, she was raised in a Catholic orphanage. Mm-hmm. I'm not surprised. No. But he talked talks a lot about, like, not being nurtured. Like, his they didn't take interest in his interests. They didn't encourage his interests. They... Never talk about how people were feeling. Yeah, they didn't ask about his feelings. They didn't have conversations with him that weren't about anything other than, like... The day-to-day minutia of, like, being in the house together. I think for the silent gen, the bottom layer of Maslow's hierarchy of yeah. needs satisfying, yep, the rest is up to you. Yeah, which is, like... I, I was a good father because I put a roof over your head, mm-hmm. food on the table, and your mother made sure you were bathed and fed every day. Mm-hmm. What more do you want? Yeah, and we're not saying that there's not value in no, that. because there not. is. Like, Dad... I don't think he would say he felt neglected, Mm-mm. but that there wasn't the type of nurturing that, like, in his own reflections on his life that he wanted from them. Mm-hmm. And so when they decided to become parents... Well, he got that from his grandmother, though. Yeah. Yeah, he did. How are you doing, darling? Come give me a hug. Come hold my hand for a while. Yeah. Tell me about school. Everything. Tell me about work. Tell me about your friends. Tell me about, mm-hmm. you know, the girl you're seeing, like... Um, that nice Baptist girl that will convert for you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> not that she was Catholic. Not that little grandma was Catholic, yeah. but... Protestant. Yeah, right. she was. Or Presbyterian. Whatever the local Hungarian church was practicing is what she practiced. Starts with a P, I'm pretty sure about that. <laughs> yeah, so he did... So, right, like, he got a taste of that, but mm-hmm. didn't necessarily get it from the people that he wanted it from. So I think... Like, and him and Mom both were always... Always asked us about our interests. Mm-hmm. Make sure we're physically and emotionally well. Yeah, I wanted to know what we were into, what books we're reading, what video games we're playing, what how our friends are. And even if they wouldn't ask, like, if we just felt like sharing, they would listen. That's mm-hmm. like half of it, right? Like, mm-hmm. But I remember having those conversations with him a lot of just, like, coming home and talking about our days. And, you know, I would listen to who he'd talk to as much as he listened to <laughs> Oh, yeah, the first 20 minutes of dinner every night was just him Saying, his, yeah. talking about him day. Yeah, like what jobs he'd gone to and who he got to see and talk to and the gossip and whatnot. That's but... one thing that the both of them, that was something I really appreciated, that mm-hmm. I still appreciate that they did, was we had dinner at the kitchen table every night. TV was off. Mm-hmm. A little music. We still do it. We mm-hmm. did it, what, this Saturday? Mm-hmm. We, we just, there's no devices and we just sit and we share a meal every single night. And Sunday we make a little fancier, a little mm-hmm. more special. We'll mm-hmm. go into the 
the dining room and have uh, a nice, classier meal. Yeah. I loved those. Me too. They were just a, a, it was a time and a moment we could always just come back and re-solidify, reconnect. Mm-hmm. It was an anchor in the day. Mm-hmm. Rarely was there a lot of tension at those meals. It was always something that you come back and, and just reset. We're a good, close family. Do you fucking remember this? We I play know. I Spy. Yes. Every single Sunday. When I was very small, it was I Spy. Mm-hmm. And then as I got older, I'm thinking of. it turned into I'm Thinking Of, which is you had to think of a, a noun, essentially, a person, place, or a thing. And then we would go around the table Mm -hmm. and ask yes or no questions, trying to guess what that person was thinking of. Mm -hmm. We played it. It's so fun because I've been Skyping with them and having dinner We should goddamn do that to them tomorrow when they're here. Oh, we absolutely should for Christmas Eve. I just want to see Dad's shit. (laughs) It'll make him so happy. So, guys, want to drug up an old tradition? I'm thinking Thinking of of a person. Yeah, man. Are we related to this person? Yes. (laughs) Have we seen this person in the past month? No. Is this person a boy or a girl? You gotta pick one. Is it a boy? No. (laughs) Is this person still alive? I love when we would get into the is this person above the age of. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) We absolutely should. He'll love it. He'd love those little games. He did. He played a lot of games with us. He has so many riddles and jokes and. God, they were terrible. And yet like, they were so good. They were terribly like, good. They were so terribly good in the those way that dad good... jokes are. Yeah. Or he'd do those little like brain teasers. The brain teasers that weren't brain teasers, like. Just the more they were more wordplay than anything. Yeah. You know, a plane crashes, where do they bury, and the border of a country, where do they bury the survivors? And the person's sitting there thinking, 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 you don't bury survivors, dumbass. Right. <laughs> or the... Um, you're driving a bus. Fu- yeah, they fuck, that you're driving a bus, or the um, rooster gets up every morning, and on the first morning, you know, he crows at 6.05, and... Um, yeah, he uh, builds these elaborate math problems you start doing yeah. in your head, and then he asks the question... Who was the bus driver? Yeah. Because at the very beginning, he snuck in there real quiet like you were driving, you the, were bus. driving the bus. You were driving the bus. Just call me an idiot. No. I called Dad an idiot, though I shouldn't. Yeah, or the one of, like, a rooster gets up on top of a barn. The barn's facing um, slightly northeast with the back end facing south, slightly southwest. When it lays an egg, what side of the barn does the egg roll down? That's a rooster. Roosters, Roosters don't, don't lay eggs. eggs. All these elaborate little, or, or something about somebody going into the woods. I remember there was one like that. I don't remember that one. I don't remember. Do you remember the three-legged pig? I don't want to. <laughs> I, I love that one. Well, you can tell it later. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. But you know, he he was always engaged with it, mm-hmm. there, and he he talked about this with me as an more as a teenager and an adult that like his idea. Of a great day was if he had to work, going to work, and then coming home and spending time with us. Like, he would talk about how he knew so many people that he worked with that had to make a stop at the bar before they went home. Because it was just, it was the only way that they could make it through the day and the night. And he said that he never felt that way because his greatest joy was coming home to mom and us. Mm-hmm. That was his ideal evening after the work day. Helping us with our homework. He's so funny, too. He had spent his whole, the whole of his formative years being told that he was bad at math. 
Mm-hmm. He was so bad at math. Dan struggled with algebra. That's the crux of it. And it's tough shit to make the jump from, like, arithmetic to algebra. A lot of kids struggle with it. I did. And I, I do remember his mom lambasting him about being poor at math. All the time. Well, she said that he would amount to nothing if mom, our mom, hadn't gotten him through high school math. And she did. She helped him with his math homework because he was struggling with it. Yeah, but it. this is the guy who can ran, uh, can figure percentages and change mm-hmm. in his head mm-hmm. at the drop of a dime. Uh, I know. Well, here's what's funny is I took calculus mm-hmm. my senior year. You know, and for the longest time, like, it was always like, if you're having trouble with your math homework, you gotta go talk to your mom. I'm bad at math. I'm bad at math. I'm bad at math. That was a narrative that he had told himself. Mm-hmm had been told by the nuns and his parents his whole life. I'm doing my senior doing my calculus homework. He walks by, takes a peek over my shoulder and goes, why are you calculating voltage? I said, what? He goes, yeah, you're calculating voltage. You're finding the area underneath the curve. The curve's the wattage. This part's the ohms. And you're looking for voltage, right? And I looked at This is pre-college math. Yeah, I was like... (laughs) You can do calculus. And he was like, no, I can't. I'm bad at math. I said, Dad, you're doing single variable calculus every single day. You just didn't know it. And so when I walked him through and I learned, he was like, oh, yeah, I do this every day. And I was like, you're not bad at math. You had bad math teachers because they didn't realize that what you needed was a practical application. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And so now every time he, and he hasn't said it in front of me in a really long time, but for a while it was like every time he would go to say I'm bad at math, I'd go, no, you're not. You can do calculus. You do calculus every day. As someone who didn't make it past geometry, I do, however, working with in food, Mm -hmm. you learn fractions Mm -hmm. and percentages like that. Yeah. The little professor, the reason his nickname is professor is because he's fucking brilliant. Mm -hmm. But when I start rattling fractions, he needs me to slow down. And recalculate. Not saying he's stupid by any means. No. You know, it's just what you use. And so you, when you practice yeah. something, you use it. You and you and Dad both in your work and what you like to do are very kinesthetic. Mm-hmm. It's very much about what you're doing with your hands, the physical part of it. Whereas I think like maybe Mom and I are, but we have an easier time thinking in the abstract. Mm-hmm. And that just might be the difference, but Dad, having gone to his, like, private fucking Catholic school and getting taught by, like, the same five nuns for years, they were just like, oh, Boltar's bad at math. And it's like, no, bitch, you're not teaching him well. Mm -hmm. You're not recognizing that he just needs this extra step or a different step for this practical application. I think that is part of, like, the job I'm working in now. Like, mm-hmm. there is a bit of dissatisfaction in the fact that being in a, a leadership and administrative role, you don't see immediate results to your day every day. Yeah. Say, I had this conversation with Mango just mm-hmm. this week, and I don't, everything is always just in limbo all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's really, that can be really unsatisfying when, you know, you come home and, how was your day? I don't really know. <laughs> we didn't do shit for shit. Yeah. And it's it's rare to come home and say, yeah, I you know I made our abstract ideas on paper into a reality, mm-hmm. and it happened. What's next? Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's dive back into this ridiculous cycle. You know, Dad very much had a strong work ethic too. Work, work hard, hard, and things, things will work, work out. out. And he also like more than mom is also capable of resting. Oh he God, has, are like, we a, a family of planters? I know he's a work hard, rest hard kind of guy. He can also nap anywhere 
he can fall asleep. Captain Narcolepsy is our other nickname. Yeah, is our other nickname for him because there is a we have photographic evidence. There is a picture of him at my fifth birthday party in the middle of a goddamn Chuck E. Cheese. On a Friday night. On a Friday night, children running, screaming everywhere. We all know this place is noisy trying to as fuck. Their children. Right. There is a picture of him propped up in a booth, dead asleep. We also have a picture of him at every Christmas morning, post-breakfast. Mm-hmm. Post-Christmas, or mm-hmm. post-unwrapping um, gifts, mm-hmm. sleeping. It's his Christmas Day nap. The same picture happens every time we're up north on vacation. Mm-hmm. We get at least one picture of him napping. Mm-hmm. Head back, many positions of the neck. Yeah. He's fallen asleep getting his hair washed at the barber's. Mm-hmm. He's fallen asleep. If the dental hygienist is too gentle, he will fall asleep. Mouth agape. Mouth open. He's the best patient. <laughs> right. He can fall asleep literally anywhere. And I shit you not, because I struggle with sleep. It's always a matter of getting to sleep. Once I get to sleep, I'm fine. I shit you not, there are nights when I can't sleep. And all I, what I'll do to calm myself down is picture him falling asleep on the couch. I mean, he did it. He was here Saturday. Yeah. He fell asleep on yeah. us while we were talking. <laughs> um, he's just so at peace. He's just so happy with all of us around that he's just like, oh, I can finally... God, what a life this man has led. I know. He's amazing. He really is. Love him so much. Yeah. Work hard, rest hard. Now that he's been retired, I really don't need him to brag about it anymore. Oh, my God. It's been five years. We know your Monday is going to be the same as your Saturday. I, I understand that you're still marveling at this, and it's amazing for you. Uh, you've earned it. Congratulations. Yeah. We're, we're very happy for you. Quietly enjoy it to yourself. It's coming off as it. bragging oh, and rubbing is. our noses in it. It is. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned that we, like, Skype um, and have dinner with them on Thursday nights mm-hmm. since the pandemic started. And if there's ever a point where Mango or I will be like, oh, God, what day is it? Right? Because time is just all over the fucking place mm-hmm. right now. And has been for some time. He'll just go, I don't know. Today feels just like yesterday did. And I'm like, I fucking get it. You're retired. Well, yeah, but then I start, you know, he'll talk about what exciting lives you and I lead. Oh, right. He'll say, no, he will. He'll be like, oh, you guys, you know, you're doing such cool work. Or like, you know, you're going out and you're doing this. Oh, he does And you're doing that. that. And like, and it's his way of saying that he's proud. So Mango and I have started pushing back and being like, yep, can't wait till, uh, you know, where you're at. And he'll be like, what? We'll be like, yeah, dude, the feeling's mutual. Can't wait to be retired. Can't mm-hmm. wait to be doing what We're you're so doing. We're so proud of you. Look right? You He's like, oh, that's funny. And I'm like, yeah, Dad, it is. <laughs> yeah. He's such a goofball. He does have, and we talk about it in the holiday episode, but he has a does have an infectious personality. We've said this before, too. He turns into a slightly different person when he's with Mom. Like, once Mom leaves the equation, he shifts. Yeah, yeah. And there's a bit of a pretense for him every time Mom's around. It's not that, like, she's going to harp him about something, mm-hmm. but, you know, he's got that, that night, he's always a little bit protective. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got to sit up a little straighter kind of thing. Because I've, I've had some really good moments with him when Mom's not around, mm-hmm. and, I'm, and I'm like, you're a goofball. Yeah, you get a little he, bit he of... He drops his superiority a bit. A bit, Yeah. I think part of their dynamic is being strong for each other mm-hmm. in different ways. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Because there, I mean, I can think of moments when he's not around and she's been like mm-hmm. chill as fuck. Like she's the same around. way. Yeah, they're the same way. They both and get a little up in here with when with they're each around other. each other. Yeah, like I think there's part of their we dynamic. We bring that up in front of your father. Yeah, well, I. Think... Why not? He's grossier than you are. I know. I think part of it too is there is a little bit. Of, I mean, they've been together forever, and I think part of all the growing up that they've done together. Mm-hmm. Is that little bit of like they're each other's accountability partner too on a lot of stuff. It's pronounced accountability buddy. Yeah, I mean they're each other's accountability buddy, and so mm-hmm. like, which in some ways is sweet, and in other ways mm-hmm. is just like annoying to us. But yeah, like, because we're kids. Well, yeah, we're their but kids. like they want to be, they want to be good for each other. They <laughs> really are, and they were great examples how to be good partners. Oh to each yeah. Other too. Oh yeah. Their their marriage was solid. Is yeah. solid. Rock solid. And that's why whenever they try to compare a scenario that we've thrust upon them that they're not happy about, mm-hmm. like, oh, I might be leaving the state because of a job. Well, what if we told you that we were getting a divorce? No. No. Not the same at all. You're being wildly dramatic. Right. Because that would never happen. Right. Completely unfair. Completely unrealistic. They're that's the equivalent so of, of the good Lord coming down saying, I'm breaking the covenant and splitting the earth. Right. Like, it's don't, not... don't. Right. It's, Knock it off. It's an empty threat. Uh. <laughs> it's not. It's not an accurate representation. Mm-hmm. You can't. It's not a comparison. Mm-mm. Yeah, they both get like chill as hell without the other one around, and then I also love their dynamic together. I do too. I love when we went to that cousin's weekend and we dragged him, and he was a kid in a goddamn candy store. Mm-hmm. He had so much fun. He literally made himself sick. Yeah. I mean, and we're not talking like he got drunk with the kids or whatnot. He just did nonstop cooking because it was harvest fest. Yeah. Mom didn't come because they were all still watching uh, her dad. Mm -hmm. And so she stayed home to take care of him. Mm -hmm. And then he was, our father decided he was going to sleep on an air mattress at 63 years old. He was miserable. And then he was in so much pain the next day. He just needed to rest. Booked a hotel room that day. He was... He went he, so hard. He got to go be social. He got to pontificate. He got to hold his court. He got to teach people things they didn't want to know. Yeah, he got to cook with his cast iron cooking set. He got to have a drink with his favorite nephew and his son and his son and sons-in-laws and me. And, like, he was just like, this is the best. It's like the old days. Yeah. And it hurt. It did. He were a fool too close to the sun. Yeah, he did. Any final thoughts? Final thoughts on dad. Not that we're, like, never going to talk no. about him or about him ever again. Do you, while I'm thinking? Consistency, grace under fire, strength, and above all else, take the high road so you can rub people's noses in it later. Stay classy, really. Yeah. He, he always implemented that. Always take the high road. Mm-hmm. Because then you get to be morally superior about it later. It's true. And you don't have to be no- uh, loud about it. Yeah. A simple mm, will suffice to remind people that you took the high road. Yeah. And it's not like he does those things because it, he wants to have bragging rights or, or mm-hmm. to be able to rub people's noses in later. It's because it's the right thing to do. It is. He, he's a man of character. Yeah. I I talked earlier about drawing comfort from him, and I I also draw strengths. From mm-hmm. him and his side of the family. I remember being in grad school and having to make a 
presentation in front of the Division of Student Affairs, being so nervous about it. And I remember walking up to give the presentation. And what I reminded myself of was that I was his and mom's daughter, and I was his dad's granddaughter, and I was his grandmother's great-granddaughter. And if they had gotten through the things that they had gotten through, with strength, dignity, and class, and a sense of humor, then there wasn't anything that I, I couldn't try to do. Amen. And as we always say, everyone comes from a wild family. It's always a good idea to have someone to talk about them with. Don't be judgy. Be a little judgy. Don't be mean. Only if they're mean. We don't get to choose our family. But we do get to choose who our favorites are. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Potatoes and Pasta. Be good, be kind, be forgiving. Until next time, family. Bye. We joke about this, but like, if they're trying to get a hold of us and we don't pick up on the first time, it's a, we begin the DEFCON stages Mm -hmm. of emergency, state of emergency. But if we can't get a hold of them after calling three times and we go, where the fuck were you? They're like, we have lives, you know. And it's like, bitch, so do I. Like, (laughs) it's a double standard there. So they, I. You can't tell me on my birthday that I'm the center of your world. Geraldine. <laughs> and then not be there when yeah. I need you. Right.